Good morning. That was loud. Good morning, friends. Welcome to our 8.30 service on this Palm Sunday. Uh, welcome to those of you in the room. Many more we know who are joining us online. It's good to worship God together this way. It's the beginning of Holy Week. Uh, beyond services today, Monday, Thursday, 7.30 service here. Good Friday, 7.30 service here. Easter, we have sunrise, other services. Uh, come, worship God. Make this a uh, sacred week in your life and in our life together. Uh, my name is James Howell. It's my privilege to be one of the pastors here. Uh, in your bulletin, you'll find things like this insert this week at Myers Park. Uh, we have, of course, the Holy Week stuff, but then other things that are going on. You can participate in mission. We have a lot of things that are going on. I would also mention that you're here early, but today at noon, when the 11 o'clock service ends, we're going to give a hard hat tour of the construction site. And uh, so if you want to see it, we'll walk around. Won't get too muddy. Won't get under anything dangerous. You can see what's going on out there. That'll be a great thing. So uh, thank you for being in worship. Let us uh, be in an attitude of reverence and worship of our God.
invite you to stand as you are able for the reading of the gospel. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet. Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the ground, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee.
may we continue to joyfully worship as we affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
The epistle reading is Philippians chapter 2, beginning with the fifth verse. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, Palm Sunday, I always love Palm Sunday. I love Holy Week. We live our lives in these chunks of time we have since creation itself, a week. What's a week? It's a chunk of time. Holy Week, the original Holy Week, was Jesus' uh, exclamation point on all that he was about, on everything that is in the heart of God, climax of it all. It begins in a uh, breezy way, as we did here, donkey, palms, fun, flowery. You have to realize that when Jesus jogged into town on that donkey on Palm Sunday, it took um, immense courage. He was walking right into the teeth of danger, into immense confusion, moved by his courage. It was history's most peculiar invasion. If you got a book of all the great, great invasions through history, Jesus got the weirdest one of all, right? He comes in, he's peaceful, he's unarmed, he's vulnerable. The stillness of God invades a noisy place. It's a beautiful thing. When Jesus uh, invaded that place, he was taking on not one individual. He didn't come in saying, I'm going to get rid of King Herod and everything will be fine. I'm going to take on that Caiaphas. Oh, that Pontius Pilate. If I just get rid of him, everything will be fine. Jesus is actually not taking on any individual. He's taking on, I don't know how to put it, the forces of evil. <laughs> Some people don't like about th- to think about things like the forces of evil. People chatter about freedom and it's all individual responsibility. Anybody who talks this way isn't paying attention to the world. We have violence in so many places. Fill in the blank. What's the latest town where there was violence? Is it just one thing or is it a larger entity that we're dealing with? If we talk about race as a problem, if we talk about poverty, in our country or in the world, the affliction of political ideology, that's never just uh, one guy. Talk about the economy, it's never just one person. I remember when they got rid of Osama bin Laden, people said, now the world will be fine. It's just one more guy that they got rid of. I know people in America today who think if we could just get rid of Donald Trump, all would be well. And I know those who think if we could just get rid of Joe Biden, all would be well. It's never that way. There are larger forces, and you feel so small before it. You know, somebody called me the other day and said, what are we doing to help earthquake victims in eastern Turkey? 
We've actually done something, but if you think about it, let's say we got a million dollars organized to send to Eastern Turkey. It is a multi-trillion dollar problem that they have in Eastern Turkey. It's just so big and you just feel numb. We're at new tornado damage this morning. Where it was at Arkansas, Mississippi earlier, it's just something all the time. We feel so small, we get numb to it. It's as if some tragic dimension, some fate is being played out. There's no one person that's one on top of another. I went to, at least I went to a talk last Sunday night at uh, First Presbyterian uh, Church. You know, we thought those Presbyterians could use, you know, a little seasoning from (laughs) some of uh, others. Anyway, uh, the talker was a woman named Serene Jones, who was the dean of Union Seminary in New York. She gave a great talk. It was on trauma and grace. One of the she talks about is PTSD, you know, PTSD, where there's trauma and that people continue to experience that over time. One of the things she said is that we live in a time post-pandemic when it's sort of all the traumas of the past have all come together at once. It's not like we have one trauma that we're trying to deal with. It's, it's just so much stuff. And she quoted a poem from memory. And I tried to get it down quickly. I looked at the video, and here's the poem she quoted from memory. Hear the breaking thunder of the icebergs as they crack. Hear the flow and gush of the ages as all the harms of the past come up to meet us all at once, and they will not let us go until we take the greatest stride humanity has ever taken. Like, that's exactly right. Like, all the hurts of the past are colliding in and around us, and it requires us to take the greatest stride humanity has ever taken. How can that happen? So there are these forces, but then then there are individual decisions. I spoke the other day with parents of a child that was killed in a car accident on I-40. It's not just like the evil of car accidents, but somebody made a dumb decision and hit another car that hit their daughter's car. Families are shattered because somebody makes a bad decision. I'll have an affair. That'll be fun. Uh, Putin, he's a real guy making bad decisions. Every time there's a shooter, somebody makes a bad decision. I remember years ago reading uh, Daniel Goldhagen's book called Hitler's Willing Executioners. You know, we tend to think, oh, Adolf Hitler and a few of those Nazis killed those six million Jews, but no. It was all the citizens of Germany, and they would all claim that they were devout Lutherans and Catholics. They knew what was going on. They participated in an evil that is unspeakable. German, German citizens, German Christians. I this week read read Matt Desmond's new book called Poverty by America, and it's a compelling book. He says we tend to think, oh, poverty, it's just... It's just an inevitable thing. We can't really help poverty. And what he traces in that book is how every one of us is complicit. Every one of us chooses the world that we live in, and it adds to the poverty that is in the world. And we could get rid of poverty if each one of us would make very different decisions. He says we're (laughs) reluctant to do so. And then last Sunday, I mentioned uh, Gandhi's seven social sins. (laughs) It's really powerful. He said the seven social sins are pleasure, 
without conscience, knowledge without character, commerce without morality, religion without sacrifice, politics without principle. It seems like that's a thing out there, but one person after another has politics without principle. One person after another has pleasure without conscience. One person is just one after another after another, and each one is responsible. What do we do? Jesus in Holy Week embraces this ambiguity. He comes to take on the evil powers, and he comes to convert individual hearts. He takes that great stride that needs to be taken. I love this. Chris Green it's a Pentecostal theologian that I got to know during the pandemic. I probably wouldn't have met him if it were not for the pandemic. He, he wrote these words. I want you to listen to this carefully. Jesus' life ended as it did, not because the powers of evil overcame him, still less because God forced it to happen for the sake of accomplishing a predetermined plan. No. Jesus' life ended as it did because ordinary human beings, including the faithful and loving and hopeful ones, could not imagine an alternative to the injustice they found themselves enacting. Let me read that again. Jesus' life ended as it did because ordinary human beings, including the faithful, loving, and hopeful ones, could not imagine an alternative to the injustice they found themselves enacting. I think this is us, my friends. Jesus came to blow our imaginations. Jesus did not come to make your life 14% better in the midst of a troubled world. Jesus came to show us how to imagine a different existence from the one in which we find ourselves. He, he started with the donkey, right? I mean, how interesting. Like, if you, if you want to change people's imagination, start with the donkey. That, that'll appeal to the children, and the adults will be confused. I mean, this donkey, I mean, the donkey, donkey's not, you know, a proud animal. He's not a huggable animal. He's, he's not a cute animal. Have you ever been on a donkey? Like, you know, they're smelly. It's a rough ride. Indeed, he doesn't come on a war horse because he is about peace. The donkey's amazing. The donkey doesn't bolt. There's all that racket around the donkey, but he, he just stays. Like, we could bolt, we could run from the troubles of the world, but Jesus invites us to stay. It's not even Jesus' donkey, right? It's a borrowed donkey. <laughs> Jesus doesn't even have his own donkey, which says that, that, that the, the imagination that God invites us into is it's not about possessions, it's about stuff that we don't own, can't own. It's amazing. Jesus comes on a donkey. A donkey is a beast of burden. It only exists to carry stuff and help you with your work. I think like Jesus is, is saying God exists to carry your burdens and to help, help us work together. And Jesus on Palm Sunday, he doesn't come in alone. There's a whole crowd around him. It, it, it's a clue. Jesus says it, it, it's not just one of us going to change the world. It's all of us together, <laughs> the whole body of Christ. Jesus rides in. I try to think if Jesus were riding in with his same peaceful stillness invasion today, where would he go and what would his message be? Let me try a few. I hope I don't get on your nerves doing this. I think this past week, Jesus would have ridden into Nashville. And in Nashville, Jesus would say, no private rights, no matter how 
powerful you find them to be. No private rights trump in over the safety of our children. I think Jesus would walk into East Palestine and say, no corporate profits. We benefit from it. You own stock in companies. They pay you a nice dividend. The stock goes up. Oh, man, that's great. Yeah. No corporate profit trumps in over the safety of people that live in little towns across America. It might be damaged because of bad decisions. Jesus might, I don't know, Jesus might ride into uh, the bar, the ABC store. I don't know where. Jesus drank wine. I mean, he's not an anti-alcohol guy, but I think Jesus would ride in there and say, friends, you, you, so many of us drink too much. Use it to have a happy day, to get over a sad day, to lubricate social interactions. Jesus would say, can you imagine a world that is very different from that? I think Jesus would walk into cemeteries. Jesus would walk to columbariums and say, we think the person's gone. We think all that lives on is their memory, but he wants us to imagine that they are raised from the dead and they are living already eternally with God in heaven. Jesus would ride in and look at poverty in our city, in our country. We avoid it. We, we drive another direction. We choose not to go through such a neighborhood. But Jesus would go there and would say to all of us, we, we need a mass movement. We need to take a great stride and not say, well, this is just how things have to be. <laughs> Jesus would go to, where are their children in schools? And they're, they're reading below level instead of saying, oh, that's a shame. We'll, we'll just get our kids and go take them somewhere. Instead, we would imagine a different world where, where all children can read. Like, that's a thing that we could get done. Jesus would go anywhere there's racial tension, where there's tension between people and the police and say, this isn't just the way it has to be. I came, you would imagine a different world. So many troubles. Jesus would come to all of them and invite us to take that great stride with him. I want to close with this. I, I changed this this morning. I hope that's uh, all right. Clearly, for uh, Christ to come, if Palm Sunday is our indication, he has to be born. And I don't mean born like at Christmas, although I do mean that, but he also has to be born, B-O-R-N-E. Jesus comes in and he is carried. And the question is, who will carry Jesus into the world? He has to be born. Jesus asked us to bear him into the world. Israel, I thought about this sermon. I usually uh, make some lame attempt uh, to inject uh, humor into a sermon. You, you know, it's always you know, like the music's so good, I got to try to make something in the sermon, you know, memorable that people will like and not be bored. I just don't have much humor today. And the reason I don't have much humor today is I'm thinking about um, the fact that in our church, uh, it's this bearing of Christ into the world, we have lost recently some of our very best, noblest bearers of Christ into the world. And it breaks my heart and it reminds me that we need to be grateful for them. At the same time, all of us need to step up. And I could name a bunch, but I made a little list this morning. I'm going to leave out somebody and get in trouble for it, but let me try it anyway. 
We lost uh, Mr. Jerry Richardson, and Jerry got a lot of press when he died because he was a famous person. We here knew him not as the famous owner of the Panthers. We knew him as a friend. We knew him as a devout churchgoer. We knew him as a trustee, a board member of our church, and somebody unbeknownst to the public, someone who did so much quiet good behind the scenes. I learned about it because he was my friend and he would talk with me about these things, carrying Christ into the world. We lost another famous person, Janet England. I told her at her service the other day, the first Sunday uh, Janet and Bill came to church, I got up in the pulpit and I looked out and I was like, it was Gaga, like, there's Janet England. Like, she, had one, she was the first woman co-anchor in Charlotte on the news, maybe the most recognizable face in the city. And what's cool about Janet is that she was never a celebrity. She was a humble Christian, and she tried to use that platform to make a difference for children and families in just a beautiful way. This past week, we lost uh, Petey Devant. Uh, Edie was just a piece of work. She was so funny, but she was one of the real leaders in our women's ministry. She made so much of that happen and did so with so much joy, and she was a, a warrior on the environment, just a beautiful person. And then I'm sorry. Then just last night, we lost uh, Dick Carter, Dick, um, our lay leader, and has been for many, many years. Dick did so much, so much, that no one knew or noticed. I did, because we worked together all this time. Did so much to bring, to bear Christ into this church so that we could be this church. People get it wrong all the time. They say, oh, the music, that's what makes this church. Or, oh, James preaching, that's what makes this church. It's the people that make the church. And Dick was the leader of the people. And we're going to miss him terribly. The rest of us have to step up. The choir sang, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed are all of those who come bearing Christ into the world. He's eager to come, but we're the body of Christ now. Jesus isn't going to swoop down from heaven on a chariot and do it alone. He doesn't want to do it alone. He wants to do it with us. He wants to do it through us. He wants us to be his bearers. It requires altering our imaginations. Now, oh, let's make the world 2% better. Be proud of that. He wants everything to be different because the world's a mess, we're a mess. <laughs> but it doesn't have to be that way. It's God made it, God made the world good. God made us good, God made us where we can change things, we really can. We really can change things. Thank you for letting me ramble for a few minutes. Thanks be to God. Let us continue in prayer. Prince of Peace, 
On this Palm Sunday, we are reminded that when the world expects you to choose power and wealth, you, O Lord, chose peace and humility. We admit that we crave control and security in a way that keeps us from the callings that you have for us. Help us to seek you, even when it's unpopular and doesn't make sense. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious God, as we prepare for a week that will end in violence, we admit that violence has already been on our hearts. We lift up the cries of lament over more lives lost to gun violence. We cry out with feelings of hopelessness, fear, and a desire to change this reality we find ourselves in. We are grateful that you are a God with us, and we need you. Lord, in your mercy. All-loving God, you walk among us every day, even when we fail to see you. Help us to be people who always recognize that there is a king among us and that we never miss the chance to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna. Help us to see that we are not alone in our isolation, our addictions, our illnesses, our anger, our hurt, and our grief. Help us to see you, to bow down before you. Hosanna, Hosanna. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, as we journey to the end of Lent, we realize that there are those among us that Easter feels very far away. The resurrection seems like a far-off promise. Be with those people. We especially lift the families that are in the midst of grief right now. Lord, be with the families of P.D. Devon, Preston Guyton, and Dick Carter. We lament their earthly loss and be with us as we navigate this season of grief. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we are grateful that you bring crowds together, that you let us raise our voices together as your church with the prayer you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Church, we are grateful to gather together, to worship together, to raise palms together. And that is because of your generosity. So we thank you for your continued generosity.
We place these gifts into your hands, praying for a more peaceable kingdom. We offer all of this to you in our love and dedication. Amen. King eternal, we follow not with fears. Why? Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. And now may the grace of our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us both now and forevermore. <laughs> 